There you go. Cool, cool, cool. So it's all recording now from my end. Um, yeah, man. Thanks for getting in, for getting in contact. That's uh, that's that's very nice. And yeah, uh, man. Well, like fifteen percent of our listeners are in Australia. So, and uh, I know that I'm sure that they all listen to you. I listen to you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I figured you know I have to connect with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been out there, Sprout. I've been going. I'm, I'm, I think, I, and I never said, I never swore black and blue that I was the only Cigarbox, you know, Cigarbox um, guitar. Oh, we podcast. did. We swore that we were the only ones. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, the very next day, somebody hit like, hey, man, another podcast. It's like, they got, like, 20 episodes. I was like, really? And uh, checked it out, and I was like, oh, this is really cool, actually. I'm glad this is a thing. So I had to, on my next episode... Uh, say okay so we fact checked ourselves and turns out i'm wrong <laughs> <laughs> well I, th- I think that um what's his name and now you have to forgive me man i've just i've only just woken up so i've got my cup of tea and i've got my vegemite cr- vegemite um crumpets here at the moment so i'm, I'm eating and eating and drinking while we're on so i apologize about that because yeah. it's uh, i'm gonna eat your breakfast yeah. it's funny because uh, you know here i'm getting ready to start my evening my saturday night you know yeah and maybe go out and see a show and you've already slept it off and are starting tomorrow that's it that's <laughs> it so yeah isn't that wonderful i just you know i say to people all the time it just amazes me people whinge and whinge and bitch all the time about bloody technology and it's it's it, it connects people and it's just uh it's an amazing thing you know i mean i'm not going to sing i'm not going to write a song about it or anything like that but you know but no, it's good, and it's and it's nice that the people who are like-minded um, can kind of connect, and you know. And I've had a chance to, to to chat to some incredible people. I'm sure I've started I had started having listened to your podcast, and you have a, an offsider, is that right? You you sometimes talk with an offsider, or is it mostly yourself? Yeah, it's a uh, it's usually me and Todd, and uh, but Todd's a working musician and uh, also has a full time job. Yeah, so. Uh, and I've got all the equipment and do all of the, you know, editing and all that kind of stuff. So uh, Todd didn't always get to make it, but, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's the talent of the show and I'm the geek, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> well, I think, I think my show tends to have a, um, a slightly uh, similar type of situation because every now and again I'm lucky enough to get um, Mark Wilmot um, over here in Australia. Mark Wilmot comes on and has a chat with people with me and, He's uh, the the guy's just an incredible builder, and he's he's got like a woodworking background, and whereas I don't, you know, I I I, I came from a you know I came from a fashion retail background, so <laughs> which uh, doesn't you know which uh, which basically meant I you know had to learn everything from scratch uh, on the way over you know years and years, but but it's it's wonderful being able to talk to people like Mark and you know and having Mark on the show every now and again where he can um you know have a, have a chat to me and. Um, yeah, and say, so, oh, you know, because a couple of weeks ago we were talking about um, uh, laminating timber necks, and I've done it. I've done it a couple of times, but when I do it, it's it's very, um, it's quite austere because I use I generally use you know your local hardware timber, or you know there might be find something I find about, or it's. But whereas when I look at what Mark makes, he's using things you know with with Tasmanian myrtle, and then he's mixing it with. Queensland maple and you know and all of this all of these incredibly beautiful timbers and I, I kind of sit there agog you know I, I look at what he does and I and I 
And it does, I'm never disheartened by what I see when he makes it, you know, because I could be, you know, I think I could be. I could sit there and look at his stuff and go, oh, God, why do I bother? Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm the same way when I see somebody that's just super talented. I'm like, well, oh, I might as well just give up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we both uh, have the, belong in the same room. <laughs> yeah. But we both have the, the, the light mind to kind of go and say, all right, well, we want to kind of share what we know. Yeah, man, I'm glad you're doing it. Your show is awesome, and it's really cool that, that uh, Mark gets to sit in. Uh, and I think it's hilarious that you guys are always, like, fidgeting with something during your show. Yeah. Like, uh, the first show I ever heard, when so, when uh, Dustin first told me that, that there was another show, uh, it was your, uh, like, 20th uh, anniversary, uh, oh. like, uh, thanks for, just thanks for listening and, and all this kind of stuff. And you were working in a workshop. Yeah. And there's drills and hammers and God knows what's going on in there because all I get is the audio. And uh, I was like, wow, is every single one of those guys shows like that? <laughs> yeah, they, they no, do. No, not. But, uh, <laughs> but there's, always, there's Sorry. always something going on. Like there one time, one time there was a, they were trimming trees. Oh. I guess you were right there on your porch, like you are now. It looks like a beautiful spot, great place to, to record some audio, you know? Yeah, it's, you know, it's there a... are tr- trees in the back, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, this guy can't catch a break. <laughs> uh, and that was with... Um... That was with uh, with Glenn Glenn Watt from um, from CB Giddy, and um, and Glenn Watt himself, of course, you know. And um, he, uh, God, he's just he's it's still it's still the most listened to um, of all the shows, and it it's a testimony to um, to Glenn of just what uh, just what a lovely guy he is, and how how many people out there actually. And he's a very humble guy, and I think if he listens to this, he'll be as embarrassed as hell. So <laughs> you know, by me saying this, but. He's just such a lovely guy and very humble and very honest uh, and very talented. And, um, and you know, it's, uh, it's still the biggest, uh, the, the most listened to show, you know, on, on, on my little um, podcast. And he, he was just, he was just a real pleasure. But yeah, the, the chainsaws in the morning were just, were, and it was, and it's unprecedented. Like you're sitting here now at the moment, I'm trying to keep my voice down a little bit because I can't do it inside because everyone's kind of Sunday morning. So everyone's still asleep and, I'm trying to keep right. it down to so the neighbours, but it's, uh, yeah, because we've only got a little house, you know, it's just a small little place, and you know, in the Blue Mountains, and, but it's nice and it's intimate, but when you want to do things like this, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's nice to have the decking on the back, so you can hear the, hear the um, magpies yeah, in the background, but yeah, the magpies in the background, so. A magpie, I'm going to have to Google that. I don't think we have those in Texas. Yeah, magpies are nice. <laughs> funnel webs are not. I killed a male funnel web during the week, so that was that was good fun. And then, um, oh, wow. yeah, that was underneath the house in the work area. So I'm, I'm <laughs> and then someone else on Facebook piped up and said, "Oh, just keep an eye out for mummy and babies now." Yeah, and it's the um, the mummies are the bigger ones. They're the ones that are about that big, and. Uh, and they're the ones that when they when they bite, they actually they they're the old fashioned spiders. So they've got a, the the teeth kind of go down. So like the old. Oh. So they're the ones that rare rear up. You know. So if you ever see photos of scary Australian spiders, yeah. So I believe I may have one of those under my house somewhere. So I've got to find the web and uh, find the nest or whatever if there is in one. Texas scorpions. Y'all have scorpions in Australia. Yeah, but more in the desert. A little bit more in the desert. I understand the bigger ones you don't have to be as scared of, but the smaller ones have got the bigger kick. <laughs> Well, that's like the, the Arizona one, yeah. that are the black ones that get giant. In Texas, we have these, they're about the size of a, an American half-dollar coin. Yeah. And uh, and they, uh, they're they like beige, and uh, they'll just sit there and sting the crap out of you, and it feels like fire. Oh. And they like uh, moisture, 
because, you know, Texas, I mean, if you go along the map, Texas is at the same latitude as, like, Egypt is. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're kind of a, where it's a hot fucking place, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but there, but we get a lot of rain. We had a lot of rivers, and so they like wet places. And yeah. So if you got a place on your land that's kind of moist, yeah, you're gonna have scorpions. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, yeah. We don't. Yeah, we don't. We don't get them here. Like where where I am here. Well, having said that, I don't know. But we're more. It's more snakes and spiders. But it's it's winter time now, so we don't we don't really get very much in the way of snakes. Um, in fact, to be honest with you, I'm I'm right in the middle of the Blue Mountains. I've never seen a bloody snake. So it's you know I think if I did, I'd, I see snakes all. Yeah. <laughs> see, people, time, see people always jump up and down and say oh australia is terrifying all these animals man you guys have got freaking bears do you know what i mean <laughs> we do our bears aren't yeah. even real bears our bears are freaking koalas and the only you thing want more it's so insane <laughs> got... they freak out that uh we have the uh endangered species act which yeah. is an act that uh came out in like i think 72 uh, to protect endangered species. And so the idea is you put a species on the list and you come up with a plan to, uh, uh, to bring the species back to, uh, you know, a good carrying capacity. For the bears, it was like 3,000. In the greater Yellowstone, it's not even in the entire United States, just the greater, greater Yellowstone ecosystem, and, uh, which is like three states, Wyoming, Montana, uh, this kind of area where Yellowstone is and around it. And, uh, so we all, we've we've had more than enough. Everybody agrees we've reached carrying capacity years ago in the nineties. Yeah. And uh, and every time we've gone to take the bear off the list, because that's the idea. You know, a species gets endangered, you put it on the list, you Build recover that species, you take it off the list, set it free. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, but uh, everybody hijacks it. They're like, no, you can't take lift the protections because we'll hunt them to death again. No, we're not. We're not going to do that. You yeah. know. We, we didn't do all this work just to make them go extinct again. But, yeah. no, people people want to continue to protect the bears over, like, people. You don't want bears in your town. That's no. horrible, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the problem yeah. is, of course, if, they, if, if there's food, you know, there's food shortages out there or anything like that, they will come in looking for bins. I've seen, not that I know firsthand, but, I mean, you, you know, you do see documentaries and things like that. Well, if they are hungry, if there's a problem out there in the, you know, in the ecosystem or whatever it is, it's, you know, they will come in looking for scraps because they are, they are scavengers too. You know, they, they, they will scavenge. Yeah. Anyway, let's get yeah, on. Yeah, I want to say we have, like, six, uh, uh, like, venomous like deadly uh snakes in texas yeah and we have like 300 some odd different species of snakes in texas yeah. but like six of them are deadly <laughs> yeah i think what do we got out here we got king brown we got we got brown snakes we got black snakes red belly black snakes we got and i'm not a big snake person i mean i don't mind them i think snakes are kind of cool in the way because you can just kind of leave them alone i don't think i think they'll it's only really hey, if you cool step on them or you corner them. It's like, yeah. as long as you're going to leave me alone, I'll leave yeah. you alone. You go that way, I'm going to go <laughs> this way. <laughs> and quite, I mean, frankly, I'm, I'm quite happy to do it. The only issue would be the kids, you know, because, you know, my boy, I know he'll be, he'd just be as curious as hell. He'd just be running around just chasing the damn thing, wanted to, wanted to name it or give it a cuddle, you know. <laughs> anyway, look, I was chatting just before about the, um, I'm trying to remember his name. And this is really terrible, and it's the morning time, so my brain is still a bit frazzled. Um, he's an old time builder, and it's going to come to me in a minute. No, I might have to put it in the show notes or something like that. I must say, I must say that we're sharing the show, guys. So anyone who's listening out there, this is kind of a it's a dual broadcast, so dueling banjos, I suppose, isn't it? 
<laughs> Ted Crocker. That's it. Ted, Sharecast. Yeah, thinking. Sharecast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah, Ted Crocker. Florida. Yeah, and I, I, have a, I have a gut feeling that he was doing something like that. And I know uh, probably about a year ago there was a little bit of, an, there was a, little bit of a Facebook blow-up because one group of people were putting out... Now, I'm going to be political about this. So one, one, one group of people were putting out a broadcast and he was saying, oh, hang on, no, we've kind, of, we've kind of done that type of thing. And I think his show was a little bit more that... It may have been a video style, but I, I, I like to try and be careful and think I'm not... I'm, you know, I, I'm certainly... I don't think I was the first. I think there's other... And there was other people out there. So there's been a couple of interviews. There was one that was for a local radio station. So if you type into iTunes, Cigarbox Guitar... There's a lovely interview with a gentleman um, who's in the States, and um, it's a really, really lovely interview, and it's definitely worth a listen. I can't remember it right now, but it's, uh, it's on iTunes, so just type in Cigarbox Guitar, and it will come up. Um, and it's just one interview um, on this radio station, and it was, yeah, it was great. I, I really, really enjoyed it. But apart from that, it was difficult, you know, um, to see it. Now, what, now, what's the name of your program again, just for my listeners? The Come and Make It Digital Rodeo. The Come and Make It Digital Rodeo. That's the can't get. Yeah, our thing, so my mine started out as a way to promote the festival that we do, the Republic of Texas Cigar Box Guitar Festival. Oh wow! And so uh, we started doing this this show once a week just to to plug the festival and plug the sponsors of the festival. One of our sponsors for the past two years has been uh, CBGiddy.com. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we give them all of the props that we can. And then, uh, you know, we've got housing sponsors and all kinds of different people that pay for the festival because we don't charge an admission for the festival. It's a free event. We let oh, wow. anybody come that, that wants to come see some cigar box guitars and hear some live music. Yeah. And, uh, and so in order to pay for everything, pay for the venue and pay for the, uh, for the musicians, we need sponsors and merchandise sales. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that's what we're doing. I stopped building. I used to build, and I stopped whenever I decided that this festival was going to be my my baby. Yeah. And uh, mostly because the festival also hinges on booth fees for vendors. Yes. And the vendors we want are cigar box guitar builders. Yeah. And I didn't want it to seem like I'm competing with all of these guys on my home turf. Yeah. Fair uh, so I I stepped out of the game. I don't build anymore. Uh, and so I just kind of put this together and bring all the builders to Texas mm-hmm. for this, you know. So that's where I'm at in my life right now. Yeah. <laughs> Do you play much? Uh, you know, I used to, yeah. and uh, I kind of, I, I just kind of, uh, I had kind of a midlife crisis when I turned 30. Yeah. And uh, I realized that I hadn't reached like any of the goals that I thought that I was going to reach by the time I was 30. Oh, mate. And uh, I stopped playing. I have picked it back up. But uh, I forgot a lot. I, was, I stopped for like a whole year. And well, mate, forgot a lot. You so, wait till uh, you get to forty six. I just turned forty six today. So. Oh man, happy yeah. birthday! Thanks, man. <laughs> and you know, it's and for me, I, I'm in exactly the same place at forty six. You know, I I had a career change when I was uh, in my mid thirties. I was in retail. I'd been in retail for about twenty years, and I changed from. Yeah, well, fa- I used to sell suits and shirts and used to like, kind of work in the fashion industry. And, um, well, you know, retail fashion industry. I was an area manager for um, a really well-known company over here. And, um, and I kind of got the jack of it. I, I, I had enough of, 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 
you know, selling other people's stuff and, you know, just, just the industry was changing. They were going to, it was more along the lines of wanting to, you know, hire people with no experience but big boobs and over, you know, experienced people who may have been older or male or... And it was just, it really, you know, and it really was getting really disheartening to see, to see what was happening to the industry. And and that's not everybody. I'm not generalising. It was just simply what was happening in the company that I was in. And I wasn't happy with it. And so I decided to become a teacher. So I went to uni for four years. And in 2010, I graduated and I started teaching. So I've, I've actually been a primary school teacher since um, 2010. Um, I think it's teaching since 2009, but uh, officially in schools. But... Um, it's so for me what I'm doing now is I started I've always loved guitars and I've you know I've played guitar since I was 17 and I'm not very I'm still not very good I've never been a lead guitarist but I could always hold down a decent rhythm and you know generally have a decent voice um but I'm one of those uh frustrated you know rock stars in in that I I never I never I never got up on stage you know I always um I've always had a terrible uh sense of um not feeling I'm very good at playing guitar. Like, I can get up and sing in front of people. It doesn't bother me at all. I could, you know, you could get up and sing in front of a million people. It wouldn't, wouldn't be an issue for me. But for me to pick up a guitar and play a song, it's, te- it's absolutely terrifying. And I, I, I get awful stage fright when I'm actually playing guitar in front of people. And um, to the point where I remember a couple of years ago, um, I was at a, uh, at a festival up in, up, on, up in the Blue Mountains here at Katoomba. There's a big international festival. A lot of people come from all over the world. And um, I was selling, had a stall and I was selling cigar box guitars and I, um, I started chatting with this guy and, uh, no, that's not what happened, that's right, I was, I was just playing, I was just jamming a song. So I can't, I, I'm quite happy to sit and just sit in the back of the tent and just kind of play and I've got a little, little cube amplifier and I'll play some songs and people kind of come in here and I'm okay with that, I'm alright with that because to me I'm not performing, I'm demonstrating. So right. it's, it's a mental thing, you know what I mean? It's like it's quite mental. Yep. Like I'm happy to stand there and demonstrate how to play something, and I'm usually quite, you know, self-effacing about it. I was like, oh, you know, that's not very good, but you know, da da da. But I'm quite happy to demonstrate how to play it. And um, so a you've got to you've got to figure out how to take your on-stage act to the point where you started out as a demonstration. This yeah. is a cigar box guitar, and it's got this string and that string, and you can do this and do that, and then segue that into. Once you've calmed your nerves down, oh, that's it. Segue that into a, a jam, a performance. That's, you know what well, I mean? Well, this is the funny thing. I started. Um, I was just playing, and then I, I, there weren't. There wasn't anyone around at this point in time, and I was just playing this song. I was playing an old. Um, I can't remember his song. Um, Gravel Road. I can't remember his name now. It's terrible. Um, um, no, I can't remember his name. And I'm playing this song. And There's the so guy, many gravel roads. Yeah, gravel. Yeah, <laughs> like that's, a whole, that's a whole genre in Texas is red dirt music. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> this guy came in. And he had one of those cage on drums, and he just he didn't didn't talk. He didn't say anything. I was just kind of in the zone. I'm singing this song, and I think I was about halfway through the first verse. So I'd only just started it. It's only a short song. And he sits down. and He starts. It's quite. He's just. He gets the cage on going. He's just playing this rhythm. going, you know. He's playing gravel road. You know this kind of thing. And we're having this great jam, and we're just—and I was really into it. We got to the third verse, and we're kind of really pumping along, and I'm singing the song, we're playing the guitar. I'm thinking this is great, and then I looked up, and in front of the tent there are about sixty or seventy people, all standing there watching us. 
and I froze. I froze. Oh, wow. It just hit me. I just, you know, I was in the zone and was completely in the zone. And if I hadn't looked up, we would have finished the song. And I looked up and I, and I, and it just, yeah, I just, went, <gasps> you know, so I got stage fright, man, you know, so frustrated, frustrated musician. So it always amazes me when I look at all of these incredible people, all these incredible musicians out there who can just tear along, and not even just the technically great ones, just the, the ones that just sit there and they can, you know, they know six, six or seven, six or seven notes on a guitar, chords on a guitar, and they'll just happily play that. And they're just they're people that just absolutely incredible, just just amaze me, you know. And I'm I'm quite humbled by them, you know. And so anyway, so with the school thing, I've actually now been able to incorporate um, what I love doing with cigar box guitars into the school because I actually have a little group of about eight kids who um kind of struggling kids you know they're, they're they're life's not always easy for them um and they come along you know once once or twice a week whenever we get the chance you know once or twice a week we go down we've got a special shed down there at the school we've got you know some very very basic rudimentary hand tools um and we built cigar box guitars you know and cool. It's just it's just an amazing you know amazing little thing. So anyone out there who if you build and if you've got the opportunity to work with kids or you know kids who've you know who've got trouble you know it's seeing these seeing these kids when they complete the guitar and it works and it it's just the most incredible. It's very humbling you know. It's yeah, a very, I did a <laughs> I did a workshop for kids at the very first one of our uh, festivals and. Uh, and then afterwards, I was getting like pictures on Facebook tagged with me in them from these kids playing with them, playing mm. their diddly bows that they built at the festival at home. And so that was really cool. They're playing along with songs on the radio and stuff. Yes. It, was, it, was, it made me feel good. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> you know, it is, you know. I don't think so, any- so you said that uh, it, you were born, what, early 70s? Yeah, man, 71. <laughs> so what kind of music were your folks playing when you were growing up? I kind of... Like, I remember... on the radio in house. Well, I rem- the, the, the funny thing is that my, my very first memory is actually a house fight. Um, oh, wow. We're in the, like, in inner Sydney, and uh, I, 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 all, the very first memory I have is, is of being carried downstairs by my mother and out the front door and all of the smoke all over the place in this terrace house that we had. Terrace houses are very narrow kind of houses, and they're usually two-storey. Uh, and they're, they're quite famous in inner Sydney. And people are spending, you know, millions and millions of dollars here in Sydney buying these terrace houses and doing them up. And this one that we were in, in, in Riley Street, actually um, actually burnt down. And that's my very first memory. And the the thing that I remember my mum always saying that the, that she was most sad about she said she didn't care about jewelry she didn't care about clothing she said but she lost her entire record collection like all of her original okay. records all of her original LPs and and she absolutely adored George Harrison and um, oh, wow. and you know it's it's an it's I've always kind of I've always kind of had that in mind and I. So the Beatles for Mum were always, I think, really, they were always big. I never, I always appreciated the Beatles, but I never really got into them. Um, I kind of went the other route. And then for many, many years, music didn't really play a part at home. It was not necessarily something my stepfather, he wasn't against it. 
he just wasn't into it. So we didn't really have music very much. And at that stage, we'd moved from... My mother and I had moved from um, Sydney up to New Guinea, actually, up, which is... A, I suppose everyone knows where New Guinea is. Sorry, I keep. I'm, I talk about New Guinea. I usually, if I'm doing that, I'll talk about New Guinea. I talk I'm talking to school kids. So I've got to bring the map out and show them where it is. Uh, <laughs> they're only year four. Let's give them a break. And um, so uh, being up there, but during that period of time that we were there, that was like the the the, the seventies, and so there were a lot of songs that that were coming through. And I suppose you know, in in many funny ways, it was things like ABBA. It was things like um, the disco played a bit of a part, which was funny. And I, it was only many years later that I came back to it because I'm certainly not into that type of music. As the older I got, um, my first album, my real first album, apart from Abbott Arrival, don't laugh, please, people, was Kiss Killers, which was a compilation album, uh, which I've only just found again on iTunes. And I played it again in the car about three or four weeks ago. And all of these memories came back of, of this compilation. K- it was K-Tel, you know. Um, all of these wonderful songs and, and a lot of the songs aren't songs that people know of Kiss, they're, they're kind of B-sides so it seemed like it must have been like a cheaper um, yeah. compilation album, but it, I grew up that was, that was my album and it used to go on the, it'd go on the turntable every single time, it was that and, um, uh, and I have to admit I always like Ringo Starr had an album and, um, and it was that, I liked that Ringo Starr album too but I've always liked melody and I've always liked, and, and then as I went from, from like Kiss and then I discovered Black Sabbath on my own as I was kind of becoming, you know, I started getting interested, more interested in music. I was more interested, I was a bit of a nerd. I used to love reading my, reading my sci-fi books and Battlestar Galactica and making plastic model kits. And, you know, I was the atypical, you know, the atypical nerd, which is all cool. You know, I loved it, you know, and um, never made me so popular with the ladies, but uh, no, I was, you know, yeah. I had my model kits. <laughs> yeah. and, um, but you said you picked up the guitar at about 17? Yeah, well, at that stage, I, I, I met, met a friend and I said, oh, you know, I love this band Black Sabbath. Oh, these guys are so heavy. And I got this seat, I've got a tape, cassette tape, Black as Sabbath was another compilation. And he went, oh, yeah, Black Sabbath, they're really, really cool. I love them. But that's heavy metal. He went, yeah. He said, you got to listen to Thrash. What? Thrash. I remember telling my mum she thought I said thrush. So, <laughs> so he he said, "Come on over, come on, come on." So all right, all right, I went over his house, and the very first album he put on for me was was Metallica, Master of Puppets. Oh wow! Bullshit. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That was the second day I went over. No, the first album he put on for me was Suicidal Tendencies. Join the army. That was the first. He said, "That's right." He said, "You got to listen to this album, Suicidal Tendencies." Join the army, and he put it in, and it was just like, like a bomb going off in my head. Oh my god, what is this? So I went back the next day, and then he put on Metallica, and that's when I just Metallica, Metallica. You know, <laughs> it's just so that. So that was the catalyst to get you to go out and buy a guitar was. Yeah. Music. yeah, well, I mean, it was uh, just listening to music uh, to start with. It was just listening to music. And then I, I, I met another friend at school who... Uh, we were the only two guys at school who had long hair. Like, you imagine the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. It's basically a surfy town, all right? So, and it's, it's beautiful, man. Don't get me wrong. And the people there are just something special. Yeah, you know, just amazing people. 
And I had a lot of really good mates at school, you know. But there was, this, there was the normal kind of thing, and you had your normal hangouts. You know, you had your sporty guys, and you had your surfy guys, and mostly surfy guys, you know. And, you know, and, and that was all cool. Everyone had their different niches, and everyone, some people got along, and some people didn't get along. It was like any school, you know, any high school. Um, right. But myself, because I started really getting into heavy metal, and I, at that point in time, I started losing a lot of weight, because I was always a rather chubby kid too. And I started losing a lot of weight and growing my hair quite long, and there was only one other guy at school who had long hair. He was, all, he was all more into Hendrix and things like that. And he was a couple of years older. He'd actually gone back to school. He was a wonderful friend of mine. Um, just, and I, um, we, just, we just started chatting and we found out he actually lived around the corner from me. And um, he wanted to sell one of his guitars. So I actually bought his first guitar. And, of course, the very first song I learned on it was Smoke on the Water. What are you going to do? <laughs> and, you know... And that was it. That was that was it. And but even at that point in time, I started modding that guitar. It's uh, the moment I got it, I started modding it because it wouldn't stay in tune. So the very first thing we did, you know, and because I'd been reading guitar mags, and I was really getting very heavily into guitar, and it was something I was very interested in. So the very first thing it was a Fender Strat copy, and it kept every time we used the whammy bar, it kept going out of tune. So I thought, how am I going to stop it from going out of tune? I thought the only thing I can think of, I see all of these guitars, they've got these locking tremolo systems. And I thought, I can't, I'm not going to put a, one of those Floydy Roady things on there or anything like that. So I got this lock nut and I, and I screwed the lock nut in behind the, the guitar nut so I could lock the strings in there. So the strings would go from the, from the peg heads to the, to, the locking, to, to the lock nut. I'd lock them there and then they'd go over the top of the, um, go over the, top of the, the, the normal nut. And then it through, right. the, you know, through the body. So the way I'd fine tune it, of course, was with a screwdriver down the back on the on the fender, you know, and not realising that this was going to completely throw out the intonation. So the intonation was fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But it was that was my first attempt at, you know, and then then I painted the guitar and we did, you know, we did all of this crazy stuff to it and just trying all these kid mods, you know, and pulling it apart, yeah. seeing if I could put it back together again, and and. Um, I've been a guitar nut ever since, and I still am. And, and I think I went for many years not really playing after I moved to Sydney and, you know, you know growing up and getting a job and, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then probably about when I moved up here to the Blue Mountains, I said, right, finally I'm going to make a guitar. I actually want to make an electric guitar. I really want to. And I'd, I'd, I'd bought a book. Um, I, I did a podcast just recently about all of these different books that I love, and I can't remember the guy's name. Martin Oakham. Right, Oakham. I've got to get that Gene Simmons one, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, I that one for sure. I mean, look, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's pure money spent. <laughs> all right, it's pure money spent. Oh, yeah. And it's Gene Simmons down the line. I just want to hear it. I just want to from- I want to hear it from Gene Simmons' mouth. I oh. want to see if there's an audio book with him reading it. There's actually... That would be fucking awesome. I, I've actually got a video of his live stand-up when he came to Sydney. He came, I think he came to Melbourne. And he did a live stand-up speech. And, and it was around the time that his album was coming out, the Big Bastard album or whatever it was. And... Um, now, I've got the DVD of that as well. And, it's a fa- and I can't remember the name of the DVD. I'll have to message you later with it. And... Um, and it's it's absolutely brilliant, but it's funny how his kind of his mindset. I think since that video came out, the DVD came out, and the book came out, his mindset's changed on quite a few different things. Um, but the book, the book's very interesting in that you can you can apply a lot of the principles in it to your own little business. Um, and there's a lot of things in there that 
I looked at it and I thought, I can do that. I can do. I know what he's talking about there, and I can actually. I, I really can do that. Um, so, excuse me, sorry. And it's an interesting book. It really, really is. Uh, me incorporated, I think it's called, off the top of my head. And it's it's definitely. And he's a character, and I certainly don't agree with 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 all of his life choices. Um, not because I'm. I'm a, I'm a moral stand-up kind of guy, but just, you know, whatever. You, you're always going to agree or disagree with your heroes on some things, you know. Naturally, yeah. But the guy's a character, that's for sure. Um, sorry. I'm going to check that out. So what got you from, uh, you know, where you were uh, in the 80s getting turned on to heavy metal and playing that kind of stuff and fucking with your guitar to, to building cigar box guitars? I'd built... I'd built three guitars. No, I'd built two and I was in the process of kind of doing the third one. And the first two, the first two were dogs. And, but they were the most important guitars. Did you, did you go buy some nice lumber no, and, no. you know, cut your own body and nope. router out? No, 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 no. I got, um, there were a couple of old roof joists that, um, my father-in-law actually had he had just the, the pieces that were probably about 50 centimeters long um he had a couple of pieces like that and i had no experience and i basically i just i, I all i had the only tools i had were a couple of files i had some chisels um a hand plane uh lots of sandpaper a ruler and you and you had never seen a cigar box guitar before this no 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 cigar box guitars had no, at this so you point, just decided at, one day that I'm going to build my own guitar. You had guitars already. Yeah, yeah I had my own guitars. Yeah. You need one that you built. Yeah. And so you just found a laying around and put one together. No, I built it from scratch, from wood, from everything, every single part. The, only, the yeah, the the, the 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 neck was actually a um, a piece of um, a piece of red uh, red gum, which is used like here in Australia for you know for building. It's an internal bracing on a home. So I just I found that, and I, I said, no, I'll use that. That's going to be the neck. And I, I, everything was done by hand, and it was just I'm quite I've still got it downstairs. And I am going to I'm going to put it back together um, because I'm actually rather proud of it. Uh, the, the the second the, yeah the second one the second one um, no the third one sorry that was the second one the second one I was very proud of the first one the first one I built from pine. And I put it layer upon layer, and I realised once I'd done the body, I was really happy with the shape. But then I realised that when I put the tremolo in, and I did everything, and I put the tremolo in, the body wasn't thick enough, and the tremolo hung out the bottom by about by about a half a centimetre. And I didn't yeah. think about putting a cap on it. I could have just popped a cap on the top of it. That would, would kind of right. done the job. But anyway, that kind of went into the bin. Um, that was that was trying to I was trying to put that together with old um, some old Kramer parts uh, of an old Kramer guitar that I had, which now of course I wish I hadn't done that, and I wish I still had the Kramer guitar because I could have now I know how I could have actually fixed it because it was broken at the time, and now I could have actually I could have actually fixed it, um, knowing what I know now. Um, but I went from building these electrics, um, but I got onto Facebook. And I started selling selling, my, selling the idea of a business of Birdwood Guitars as a business through through Facebook, um, and I was talking to a lot of builders. And at this point in time, it was all electric guitars, electric guitars, electric guitars. And I remember this guy put a picture up on on Facebook, and it was a picture of a beautiful guitar that he built using the most amazing timber, and it was just jaw droppingly stunning. 
and he had this white scratch plate that he wanted to slap across, the, slap on top of the whole thing. And he said, you know, and, and he put an open comment, what do you think, guys? And I said, I don't like it. I said, you've got this, you know, and politely, I said, I don't like it. I think you've got this beautiful, amazing timber and you're hiding all of those, all of the lovely figuring in the timber with this big, enormous white scratch plate. You know, it's, I don't think yeah. it's doing, doing the timber any justice. Well, he came back at me with such a tirade of abuse and, you know, show me what oh. you've done. I've built 20 or 30 guitars, blah, blah, blah. How many guitars have you built? How many have da, da, da. And he, he really attacked. And I, and I sent back about, you know, anywhere between five and ten. This is going back three or so years now. So anywhere between five and ten messages back to saying, look, you know, I didn't mean to offend you, but you asked an open comment. I gave you an honest answer. I think you've done beautiful. And I was, you know, but he kept coming and kept coming. And I just went block. Bam. But it yep. killed electric guitars for me for a very long time. And I, to the point where the third guitar that I was on, I stopped building it. Um, and I was really frustrated. I was really upset about that. It, it, I think the, the situation that happened really burnt electric guitar builders for me for a long time. Um, but then I went back in my head and I thought I still wanted to be creative and I still wanted to build something. And I remembered back a couple of years prior, I was up on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. So I'm hearing, this is when I was hearing, you know, all this was happening when I was here in the Blue, here in the Blue Mountains. And I remember um, I went up to uh, a place called Yamundi on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. And there's a, a cigar box guitar guy up there. And he's up there every Saturday. And his name's Michael. And he, as far as I know, he's still there. And I remember going to see him. And lovingly, I could hear when I went and saw him. I, I, I could hear this, these these instruments as I was walking through the market. And I remember hearing them. I think they sound fantastic. What are they? And I, I couldn't figure what. And then I heard there was slide, and I thought, "What's well, a slide?" But it doesn't really sound like a guitar. Like it's not an electric guitar. But I don't. Anyway, I turn around and I turn this stall, and there's this this marquee, you know, that most of us have now. And there's this marquee there, and hanging from the roof of the marquee, all, not around it, but in it. And he's standing on the outside and the guitars are all inside under the marquee. And he's there and he's, he's got these guitars and they're made out of these little boxes. And then I realised they're cigar boxes. And I'm like, that's incredible. I'd love to buy one. But these guitars, they're, they're, you know, well, it's about four or five hundred bucks. I don't have four or five hundred bucks for cigar box guitar. And he sells them. And they're good. I've got to say it. They're good. They're good guitars. There's, there's, you know, but you know, they they were just too pricey for me. I didn't have the money for it. So but you went home and made your own. Well, yeah. Fast forward a few years, and I got. A, I had an Arnott's Bicky tin, and I had an old bed slat from one of the kids' beds that my wife probably still doesn't know I've taken, and I cut out this very incredibly rudimentary little cigar box guitar, and. Um, and, oh, biscuit tin guitar, I suppose. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was just... It, and I couldn't play slide at the time. I had a slide, but I couldn't play it. And I'm still not a great player. But I loved it. And I took it to school. I took it to school that, that, that next Monday that I went back to school. And, um, and the kids in the class I was in, they were in a year four, five class, I remember. And they, they just loved it. They, they were just gobsmacked. They absolutely loved it. And... I said, man, Mr. Harrison, can I take it out? Can I take it out? Can I go and play with it at, at, at recess or lunch? And I said, all right, go and take it. And, and here they are, these kids. And they, 
And I'll never forget seeing them. And they're out there, and they've got one of the glue sticks, you know, the, the plastic glue sticks. And they had this big pencil, and they had it lying on the ground, and they were smacking it, <laughs> just belting this 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 three string three string fretless, you know. And they're smacking it, and they're getting the they're getting the glue stick and whoop, smack, whoop, you know. But the smiles in their faces, man. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to build more. I'm going to build more of these. So, um, I put I believe I put an order in at because I didn't have any other boxes, so I put an order in at CB Giddy for ten random cigar boxes and this is at a time when the Aussie dollar was in a much healthier state it was more comparable to America so getting stuff sent out from the states wasn't too much of an issue um, and I got these boxes I got these some beautiful beautiful boxes and I crafted these necks and at the time you know I was um, I used Oregon I was actually using Oregon which is a fairly soft timber but I was doing fairly chunky thick necks and again, I was using the, some red gum. I used red gum for the, for the fretboards, and I crafted them, and I sanded them, and I, I was so happy with them. It's just one of the guitars now I just wish I'd never sold because it was such a pretty little thing. And I made these little, I made these little ringlets by hand um, that would go around the sound, the, the sound holes that I put in, and I shaped them all by hand. And, and I had no wood, bugger or woodwork in the background except for what I picked up myself. Um, and I made these guitars, and I had them for a while, and I was playing them and playing them, and I thought, oh, I wonder if anyone wants to buy them, because some people, I put them on Facebook, and I wasn't intending on selling them, I don't think, at the time, and some people were saying, oh, I really love that, oh, it's really great, and the feedback I was starting to get, I started looking for people, I started looking for people, and the first, one of the first people that I put on Facebook, I think, was actually Glenn, because I remember seeing his videos, because everything I know, I know from YouTube. Uh, honestly, books and YouTube, it's, it's you know, we're so lucky in this generation of... of ease of information it's just incredible being yeah. able to find this this incredible wealth of wealth of information out there you know and there i am and i'm out there and i'm i'm building these guitars and people are saying i really like them I'm, that's really nice and that's oh wow thank you you know and no there were no pcos in them they were just acoustic purely acoustic i hadn't put any pcos in at the time and i thought well why don't i i'll try i'll put it on facebook i'll see what happens not Facebook, I put it on eBay. I thought I'll sign up for eBay and I'll pop it on eBay. Um, I remember being uh, on a, on a it's 2014 in October. And I remember being coming back from a school three day excursion to Canberra. Uh, we did a camp with um, year six kids. And um, we're coming back on the, on, the, on the bus, and all of a sudden I heard this funny sound on my phone. I went, ka-ching. What the hell is that? Right. Which has now become my favourite sound in the world. Ka-ching! <laughs> yeah. And of course, I look at my phone, and my first guitar had sold. I was so excited. I was, I was beside, me. but at the same time, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified because I was thinking, "What if they hate it? What if they hate it?" You know. <laughs> and um, and it sold. And then over over the next um, couple of weeks, the other two guitars that I that I had on eBay as well, those two sold as well. Um, and I got some lovely feedback, uh, which was great, and that started me off. And then I ended up with a, um, I ended up with a, a, a Weebly account. So we, I actually found out about Weebly through school because I was talking about setting up um, uh, little accounts and things for school and things like that on Weebly. And then I found that on Weebly you can actually you know set up a business. So that's where Birdwood Guitars is online at the moment. It's on you know it's on. Uh, it's, it's hosted by Weebly, um, 
which I have a love-hate relationship with. I love some of the things they do and I hate other things that they do. Um, but I think their support, their support network's quite good. They get back to you very quickly. Even though they're in the States and I'm in Australia, they do get back very fast if there's an issue. Um, so I've thought a couple of times of leaving, but it, it, like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> you know, that, that kind yeah. of mentality. And, uh, and, that's kind of, and then I was doing it for a few years and I stumbled across... Well, not stumbled across, but again through watching YouTube. Uh, there's a guy on YouTube that I absolutely love, and he's just he's just he's just such a character, but he's such a freaking talented guitar builder. Um, and I started getting back into electric guitar again, and I started getting back into listening to to you know to to watching YouTube clips of people building them. And there's a guy called Sully, and he's actually in Texas. Um, I'm sure he's in Texas. Yeah, I'm sure he's in Texas. And his name's Sully. And he has a YouTube thing called Sully's Guitar Garage, which he doesn't use much anymore because he's more Facebook and he does live things through Facebook now. But one of the things that he did on one of his videos, he had his headphones in. And while he was, while he was working, he took the headphones off and said, oh, look, you know, I've been listening to this podcast. I thought, oh, podcasts. I've heard of podcasts, but I never really bothered with them. Because I thought, you know, it was, just not, it was not part of my... Routine, daily routine, you know, to listen to a podcast or something. Well, the idea of it was just a little bit alien to me. So, um, and he said, well, it's, it's a podcast called The Luthierist Podcast. I'm going to be on it or yada, yada, yada. And I thought, oh, I'll give it a listen. And I, I just got hooked. I got hooked on this podcast and the ideas and the business ideas that these, and these, these they, they, it's very, uh, it's a lot of fun, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a great podcast and it's gone through some changes and stuff like that, some goods and positives and negatives and things like that. Uh, but I'm still listening to it. I'm still really enjoying it. But they had great business ideas and they had big, great ideas of of how to save money as a builder and of getting, you know, of using your business number, you know, because during, you know, during the last year I, I decided to go legit. I wasn't kind of just going to be a market stall and kind of, you know, I thought if I'm going to declare do it right, I'm going to try and do it right. So it's all legal and everything like that. And... Um, and here's this podcast and these guys and these, they're sharing this idea. And I thought, I wonder if I can do that. So this is how we get onto the podcast now, you know. And I'd been building guitars, cigar box guitars predominantly for about three years. And at this point in time, I'm over, I'm over 300. I'm not exactly oh. sure how many, but it's, it's over 300. And this year's actually you been... You crank out a guitar every three days or so. It's something like that, yeah. And, but this year's been slower. Not because business is lower, business is actually higher, but what's actually happening is I stopped doing markets for about a year. And so the the slightly more simplified guitars that I do, which are, you know, the I call them the Hurricane guitars, which are the piezo guitars, the fretless piezo, um, the slightly more budget parts, things like that. They're a little bit more cost-effective for, for customer. Um, those ones slowed down, but my direct order market actually is sales went up so i've been building a lot more of the the more the prestige instruments and things like that i call them lightning gotcha. boys yeah and so that side of the things took off but it was through building those more updated guitars and using the better parts and and starting to source where i can which suppliers i can use and which suppliers i can use my business number to get cheaper costs so, because you can actually get wholesale from from many of these suppliers, so, um, so I I was able to do that, and I thought, 
I'm having a great time doing this. Why don't I do a podcast and share what I know? And that's how the Cigar Box Guitar Builder podcast came to be. And at first it was just me rambling. <laughs> so the first couple of episodes are just basically just, just me rambling about stuff. Um, and, um, and the second, um, and as it developed, I started talking to other people. I spoke to Mark Wilmot, which was, which was wonderful. Mark and I have um, got a great... Uh, great relationship. He's, he's, as I said before uh, at the beginning of the, of the podcast, he's an incredibly talented builder, um, and he's just such a lovely guy. And, and he runs a company here in Australia called MRWS. And um, he's, I've, I've ordered through Mark for a very long time now. Um, I was ordering a lot through CB Giddy, um, and I love Ben, and I absolutely love the guys. And I've, but for me in Australia, it's, it's, it's always been a case of, of and it's the same with Michael Breedlove from. Um, MG, uh, uh, MGB um, parts and supplies there in the States too. It's, there's a lot of parts and a lot of things there that I would love to get, but at, at, at this point in time with the Aussie dollar, I've just got to be careful because, you know, it's being a cigar box guitar builder, it's not, it's, you, don't make a, you don't make a huge amount of profit out of this with the time and everything. So, um, so I tend to order, you know, and Mark's, you know, and, and I found Mark and, and, and he's always been great and his delivery's always been good and his parts have been great just like the other guys you know and um yeah i think we're very lucky i think we're very very lucky to be able to have these these wonderful people out there like you know like mark and like ben and 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 like mike who um who've got these wonderful parts and this 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 great drive you know to um to 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 share and to to, to give and well, let's be honest it's it's you know it's it's financially driven I mean let's not be stupid about it it's not completely you know it's not completely from the heart and but I think it's I think the thing I like about it though is that it's open enough and I, I and I love and I love Ben and and the guys and the videos they're doing lately and the shows they're the half hour shows they're the what is it the giddy what is it the giddy giddy guys or I can't remember the name of it. Uh-oh. The, the video that they're the video cast that they're doing now and and they're great fun and Farley's up there as well and she's um she's a wonderful um uh role model for you know for girls out there for for women in the um that, that are building and it shows that you know it's not it is a very male dominated industry this one i think uh especially in australia um and it's wonderful to see uh women embracing it and there's incredible yeah. electric guitar and acoustic guitar builders out there. Um, Meredith Coloma, who is a Canadian uh, acoustic um, guitar builder, she's just, please go and check her out. She just blows my mind. Um, other women out there who, uh, this, oh, Linda. I love looking at Linda's stuff on Facebook, and I can't remember her last name. Uh, Morrison or something, I want to say. But we need more. We we need we need more girls out there pushing out and building amazing guitars as well. You know, and people like Farley, yeah, absolutely, who who are doing that. And even my little school group, it used to be called Boys Shed. Uh, when I first took it over, it was the old name for the shed. Um, you know, it was the old name for the group. And when I took it over, we called we started calling it Woodshed. And it took about it took about a year. But we've now got two two girls in the group. And they are loving working with Timber. And they are pushing the boys, I'm telling you. They are pushing the boys something something fierce. And it's just fantastic to see. 
and they give it. <laughs> you know, the, boy, the boys are tr- boys are running to kind of catch up to these girls, and 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 they haven't actually been doing it even as long as some of the boys have been doing it. So you know, um, it's uh, it, it's it's really wonderful to um to to see these uh the, the, the girls are you know are pushing out some really really good work. So um, but um. Yeah, that's kind of where I stand, and that's where the, the podcast kind of came from, and I think we've just finished our 27... Well, this will be episode number 28 shared with you, and it's wonderful now to see someone else out there, and I can listen to another Cigar Box guitar-building podcast, not just an electric guitar-building podcast, but now I can listen to what you're doing, and, you know, so I'm, I'm, I've subscribed to your channel, and uh, did that a couple of days I ago. I appreciate it, man. Oh, mate, uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for connecting with me, man, and sharing your story. Uh, you know, it's funny because I have these notes, and you pretty seamlessly segued without me having to ask some of these questions. You covered them for me, you know, <laughs> like right in the spot where they were on my notes, you know. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. So that's, that's really awesome. cool. That's and awesome. you know, and good luck with um, good luck with the festival. Uh, when's that? When's your next festival? When's the festival actually coming up? The next one, September thirty. Oh, that's my daughter's Good. birthday. That's beautiful. Oh, cool. <laughs> Less than two months. Yeah, Mate, that... so we've got a, a few episodes that are going to be, you know, really, uh, uh, like uh, the episode after this one's going to be A.J. Gaither, who is uh, A.J. Gaither's one-man band. Uh, I think he's from Kansas City, and uh, he's going to be doing, uh, or we're going to do an episode with him. But he'll, he's, uh, he's going to be at the festival. And okay. then uh, we've got In Layman Terms, which is uh, a young, these that's uh, 18-year-old and 15-year-old kids. Yeah. And uh, their brother and sister, and uh, so it's two piece. And uh, he picked up a somebody built him a cigar box guitar, and so he's integrated that into his act. And uh, 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 Logan got uh, Blues Kid of the Year in 2013. Oh, fantastic! That's just wonderful. Uh, That's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, uh, that... And then we've also got Pan Dan from Alabama. Oh, okay. So That's brilliant. Yeah, we've got a great lineup. And uh, yeah, uh, but hey, so. We do uh, final thoughts at the end of our podcast. So uh, what's, like, your final thought for the listeners out there in the rodeo land? Well, I, I, I could probably go kind of, like, build from your heart and build, build you know, be, be original. And, but I'm not going to say that. I'm actually going to say look for the people that you love. Look for the guitars that you adore. Use the ideas that you find, okay, straight up, because none of us are super original, okay? Use the things that you find and then give credit for it, okay? Create it. Bring it into your... Because everything that I am is an amalgamation of all of these other builders out there, you know, electric guitar builders, bass guitar builders, violin builders, research, look at all of these different instruments, think about, you know, how can I take that idea and incorporate it into what I'm doing? Um, I did a video yesterday where I showed a guitar that I built that used Ben Giddy's bridge wrap-over system for the neck, for the neck you know, on top of the box styles, right? And I'm not going to yeah. take that credit for that. That's Ben's design. Ben designed that, but right. I built one, and I wanted to try it, and I wanted to see how it went. So if you're going to use an idea that somebody has or somebody's had, post it up and give credit to that person, all right? Um, I built a couple of the little short diddly bows, which I call Chucky bows, all right? There's a guy in the States there, Chuck. Uh, 
I'm terrible with the pronunciation, but I think it's Baylor or something like that. Um, I apologise if I've got his name wrong, but it's Chuck. And I call it a Chucky boat. And I asked him, I said, I love these guitars. I love them. And, you know, he, he had Justin Johnson played one on stage, you know, on one of his videos. And I loved it. And I said, can I have permission? Because I would love to build some for the markets here in Australia. And he was stoked. He was absolutely wrapped. But every time I put a video up of that, I always suggest and I always say, this is not my design. This is Chuck's design. I call it a Chucky Bay because, you know. So use, take, absorb as much as you can, but make sure you give credit, okay, where credit is due um, and love what you do. And that's it. Now, I've got a question for you. I've finished my show with two questions. <laughs> All, right. All right. So the first, and this is, uh, this is unscripted, guys. So this, I'm, I'm kind of just, okay. Now, understanding that you, at the moment, you've, you're not building cigar box guitars right now because you're concentrating on this. I still have two questions for you. The first question would be, all right, what's your secret weapon? White male privilege. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, no. Tenacity. Tenacity. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, everything that I do, I fucking pour my heart and soul into it, man. And I'm just, I hammer at it until I get the job done. And even if it costs me more than the job pays, I got it done and I got it done right. And uh, I'm just tenacious like that. Yep. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome, man. And. You know what? I've gone completely blank on what my, my, my last question was. So, secret weapon, and... No, let's leave it at that. I reckon that's pretty cool. <laughs> All right, man. Make sure connection with you. Enjoy your birthday, and uh, come and make it, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and appreciate um, spending time with you today. It's been great. Yeah, thanks. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye.